The following program is brought to you by The Business Clinic. Welcome. It's a wonderful Friday afternoon, and you are listening to Abundance, Abundance Now, Now with Maria M. Lopez. Maria is a certified public accountant, financial advisor, and public speaker. She specializes in advising her clients in their personal business and finances so that they can achieve the financial lifestyle of their dreams. Her mission is to empower others by providing them with the financial tools and education necessary for them to create their own finances. Here is your host, Maria M. Lopez. Hello, South Florida. Welcome to Abundance Now with Maria M. Lopez. I have designed this radio show with you in mind. I have designed this radio show providing you valuable information as I bring experienced guest speakers in the area of mindset, personal development, business consulting, and personal financial planning. This radio show is brought to you by TFG Worldwide, LLC. TFG stands for Tax Forest Group. TFG is a professional services firm offering a variety of business accounting and tax and consulting services to mid-sized and startup companies doing business in the United States and also for companies that are entering the U.S. market. We also work with U.S. companies that would like to enter another country or market. Our expertise are in the areas of U.S. federal domestic income taxes and U.S. international taxes. Our office is conveniently located on 701 Brickell Avenue, and our telephone contact number is 1-800-793-9721. Currently, our website is under construction. However, you will find information about the founders of TFG, my business partner, Nelson Rincong, and myself, Maria M. Lopez, on LinkedIn. Please contact me or my business partner for a 30-minute complimentary session to explore how we can guide you and provide you with solutions that will grow and expand your business having the proper income tax and accounting guidance. Both Nelson and I provide a depth of tax expertise from the global big four accounting firms. Since Nelson and I spent the last 35 and 25 years working at Deloitte and also at Ernst & Young, offering a variety of income tax planning solutions and income tax strategies to business enterprises. We are already starting the second half of the calendar year 2017, and it is a great time to revisit where we are in terms of our own personal financial goals and our business goals. Did you prepare a 2017 personal goal statement early in the year? Have you revisited what you wrote down as your wish list or as your intention for this year, 2017? How about for those of you who own a business enterprise? Did you prepare a forecast of expected sales report for the year? How are you actual? How are your actual year-to-date sales compared to the forecast you initially created early in the year? It is very easy for us to get out of focus and start paying attention to other activities that really are not aligned with our financial or business goals. This is why it is so important to write down our goals and to revisit them on a periodical basis to make sure the actual results and compare them to the forecast and also to take advantage of some proven techniques that exist which do help us in meeting those financial goals. One of those techniques is what I want to discuss with you today, and that is the concept and the practice of automatic investing. Automatic investing is a plan or a program by which you contribute, for example, a small amounts of money, such as $20 a month in, a reg in regular intervals, 
Funds are automatically deducted from your checking or savings account or paycheck and invested in a retirement account or in an investment brokerage account. You can also create the same approach and transfer funds automatically into a separate checking account that has a specific purpose. For example, accumulating funds so that you can pay for the down payment of the purchase of a new home or for a vacation that you're planning to take this year, etc. Automatic investing is one of the best ways to create some wealth. It is paying yourself first. We have all heard about various financial experts and millionaires, such as Robert Kiyosaki, who explains to us in his many books that we must pay ourselves first. Oftentimes what happens is that we receive that check from our salaries or payroll from our employers or a cash distribution from a business that we own. We deposit the funds into our checking accounts and we use all of the funds to pay for our personal living expenses and in some cases to pay for that credit card debt as well. Yes. It is true that sometimes our sources of personal income may not be sufficient to cover those monthly personal living expenses. In that case, we need to sit down and revisit what it is and where it is that our money is going to. Managing and minimizing our personal living expenses is a conversation that we will have during another segment of Abundance Now with Maria M. Lopez. But today, our topic is on automatic investing. Today, to talk about this very interesting topic, I have invited Gabriel Montoya. Gabriel is a co-founder and chief executive officer of Dividendo. Dividendo is an easy-to-use, low-cost, automated savings and investment platform with no account minimums. Previously to his current professional role and responsibility, Gabriel was chief business development officer of Open English and previously co-founder and chief executive officer of Next University, one of the fastest growing online education institutions in Latin America. He also spent many years as senior vice president and chief investment officer for the Cisneros Group of Companies. Welcome, Gabriel. It is a pleasure to have you join me on Abundance Now with Maria M. Lopez. Thank you, Maria. It's a pleasure for me to be here and have the chance to share with your audience everything that we have to talk about today. Awesome, Gabriel. I know we're going to have a great time, and I know that our listeners are going to love you, love your product, and love the conversation. Absolutely. Gabriel, before we start our interview, can you share with me and our listeners a little more about yourself? What is your academic background? What led you to study in the field of finance and enter the financial services industry acting as a chief investment officer? Well, I went to college to get an, an engineering degree uh, in systems engineering. I was very drawn to computers. And then later on, I decided to go get an MBA in finance. Um, basically, I went to business school because I realized that I needed a deeper understanding on how uh, business aspects of a company work. Mm -hmm. So I, I went that way. Um, Beautiful. And that university was it here in Florida, in the state of Florida, Northeast? Uh, what no, I went to I went to college in Venezuela. That's where I'm from. Okay. Uh, so I spent my younger years, you know, living in Venezuela. I only came to the U.S. in, in 1996. 1996, so you Correct. were already like in your 20s, late 20s, yeah, I was in my late after 20s. graduated from university, understand. Correct. Okay, and then Gabriel, your first years in corporate America, when you came from Venezuela, were in the field of financial services in the private sector? Is that correct? Correct. And I understand you worked for the Cisneros Group of Companies. Was that in South Florida or in another part of the country? Yes, I started working with the Cisneros Group. Uh, they're based out of Venezuela, and they have a large presence in, in the U.S. as well. So mm -hmm. I started working uh, for them in Venezuela, and then I was transferred to the Miami office. 
I spent uh, a few years here, and then I went to uh, the New York office, and I was there for seven years, uh, different capacities, different roles, and then I ended up becoming the chief investment officer, and then I transferred back to Miami in 2009. So you spent seven years. Did they have an office in Manhattan? You- yes, correct. How did you like that experience? I loved it. I know, right? Yeah, I lived myself, wonderful. wonderful, right? I lived myself two years in New York City, in Manhattan. I had my, uh, I had a, not a one bedroom apartment, I had a studio. It was so expensive. It was like the mortgage of a house here. But I loved every single day of it. It was fascinating. It's a fascinating city. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, for me, it's also a special place because that's where I met my wife. Oh. So I went to New York <laughs> as a single guy and came back, you know, with a wife and kids and, That's a beautiful story. Yes. How many years have you practiced in the financial services industry in the private company sector making investment decisions? And and what led you to enter the educational system later on? And then what led you to enter the technology industry? I'm sorry, I'm asking three questions. Yeah, it's a a, a long journey that, you know, 20 Mm -hmm. something years. But when I started with Cisneros, I was a financial analyst. I Mm -hmm. started, you know, from the bottom and I worked my way up having different roles. Uh, and then, you know, uh, the last five years that I was there, I was a chief investment officer and I was responsible for managing uh, the family office okay. of, of the founder, of the of the principal. And then there, you know, we had over a billion dollars in different asset classes. So it was a big responsibility. I had a large team. It was a great experience. Uh, and my first exposure to the education sector and technology sector, because it's really, you know, it was together, it was uh, through Open English. I, I had the opportunity to uh, meet the founder at the very early stages of the company and I was very impressed with the business model I was mm-hmm. impressed with him uh, and then so I decided to become an investor on a personal level mm-hmm. and uh, so I, I was able to, um, to to follow very closely how the company evolved and develop and for those who don't know what open English is is, is uh, today open English is the largest uh, online English school in, in the Americas It's wow. a company that went from a startup uh, about nine years ago to raise $124 million in, in, in VC money. And, you know, today it's a company with over a thousand employees with, you know, presence mm-hmm. in all over Latin America. So that experience firsthand as an investor, and I was also a board member, helped me, you know, experience, you know, firsthand, you know, the, the opportunity that presented, you know, got technology it. in the education space. So I got a, uh, a good taste for it. And then later on, with the founder of Open English, we partnered and we founded this other company, Next University, and that's when I, I made a you know life change you know changing decision, and I decided to leave my my, my job at Cisneros and and uh, and become and became the uh, CEO of uh, Next University. Next so University. it was a complete change. I mean, I hung up my tie and my suit and all that <laughs> and my corporate you know life, and I went on you know to to the entrepreneur uh, uh, path, but you know. Not right. regret. I mean, it was a wonderful experience. So today in 2017, you have basically taken your engineering degree plus your investment experience, experience in the educational system and now in the technology industry. And you have combined it all into what we're going to talk about today next. That's correct. It beautiful. seems like all the paths lead me to this, <laughs> to this place and this moment right here. Isn't it beautiful? Yes. Gabriel, many of our listeners may have the following question. What is the role of a chief executive officer in a company? What are your roles and responsibilities at Dividendo? Uh, yes, I think, you know, well, there's many different takes on this. I mean, from my personal point of view, I think that the, C- the role of the CEO is to make everybody's work, you know, 
easier. I mean, you have to be able to enable your team members to do their job. And then obviously that, that requires uh, leadership, the direction, strategy, focus, but also is working with them and taking on responsibility that others are not willing or not capable of taking. And that means, you know, sometimes making the ultimate decision and, you know, the, the toughest situations that you have to deal with. But at the end of the day, it's all about keeping the team doing their jobs. I mean, I think that's that's how I see it. Beautiful, beautiful. And you must also have a board of directors that you report to? Uh, we do, uh, you know, Dividendo, you know, it's a smaller organization, so as a CEO, obviously you, mm -hmm. you wear many hats, uh, and, and um, that was the same case with Next University as a startup, okay. and we started with six people, and, you know, a few, you know, a year later we were like over 50 people. But, but you know, it's always the same, it's, 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 you know, you have to be willing to, to lead by example beautiful. and to do all the things that, you know, sometimes people don't want to do and they want to make a decision so you step in and then you help them you know move forward because at the end of the day it's about you know keeping things moving leadership uh, you know leadership and, and focus on the goals and and uh and and you know obviously as a, as a ceo also you are the main communicator of the company mm -hmm. with all the stakeholders investors employees uh customers etc you are in a way the face of the company uh, and, you know, I spend also a lot of time uh, thinking about how to grow our business. That's, that's one of my main roles as well. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. I would like to highlight that the headquarters for Dividendo are right here in our own backyard in Cora Gables. And this brings me to a topic that we have discussed in the past, where basically we're seeing a growth of tech companies having a presence in South Florida as a new Silicon Valley. Have you noticed this trend as well, Gabriel? Uh, absolutely. I, I think, you know, this is a trend that started a few years ago. I think, you you know, we, mm -hmm. we, we saw each other at, at um, Emerge Americas, and that's, I think, you know, a testament of how far we've come in terms of becoming a, uh, you know, a destination for, for entrepreneurship and, and for the startup, you know, community. Um, my, actually, my two previous experiences, Open English and uh, uh, Next University, are both based in, in, in here in Miami, in Coconut Grove specifically. And uh, I think, you know, it's, it's for a reason. I mean, Miami is a perfect spot for tech companies uh, mm -hmm. that want to do business in Latin America. It's, okay. it's, it's, you know, we are the crossroads and mm -hmm. not, uh, of, you know, between north and south. But right. it's not only geographically, right, because, you know, we're right in the middle, but also culturally. We have, you know, that blend of, you know, the Hispanic, the Latino, the American culture. But it's also where capital meets opportunity and talent. And that's very important because, that's you know, right. a lot of times, you know, VCs and investors, they're less, you know, they're more reluctant to go uh, into Latin America and invest directly in companies that are there because of the framework, the legal system might not be as robust or as, mm -hmm. as clearly understood as it is here. So they feel better when you are based in Miami, you are under a U.S., you know, framework, legal system, tax system, all that, but you're doing business in the region because at the end uh. of the day, Miami is um, the capital of Latin America. There's a lot of talent. There's a lot of access and cultural, uh, you know, there's a lot of advantages for that. So I think, you know, that combination is what, you know, really making Miami, uh, you know, emerge as a, as a you know, right, right. That's destination. Right, right. That's a very interesting insight as far as venture capitalists, uh, that they're, they're more willing to, uh, to put their money into a U.S. company uh, and then one which is providing the services outside, abroad, to Central and South America, rather than investing directly into a company that has been incorporated and formed in Central or in South America. That's very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, we, I mean, I've experienced this at a first hand, uh, so I can attest that that's, that's right. usually the case. I mean, we, we've dealt with many VCs from, from California, from Boston, from 
my colleague from Latin America, and they uh -huh. prefer to invest yes. in companies that are here. Even though their mandate is, is in Latin America, they also, they like when, you know, a company is based here. So so it really works. And, and then the other thing is the talent. I mean, we're still in early stages, and there's a lot of things that are lacking here, but it's very easy to attract. I mean, there's a lot of talent here, and if you don't find it here, you can bring it from Latin America, and anyone will be happy to relocate or work, and, and today you can work remotely. So yes. we, have, we have teams that are spread everywhere in the region, and, mm -hmm. and it's just as easy, and, and it's more cost-effective, actually. Very mm -hmm. true, very true. Let's talk about the platform Dividendo, which is an online platform, and also there's an app which users can download to their smartphones and create their own accounts that way. What is the purpose of Dividendo? In other words, why was it created? What is the problem that this company, its leadership, and its team of professionals are trying to correct or to take care of? Yes, I mean, in short, you know, we're we're trying to bring opportunity to all those people that should be investing, should be have mm -hmm. an investment as part of their financial planning, financial well-being, but for many reasons, uh, they haven't been able to do so. And, you know, a lot of these reasons we can discuss in detail later, but it has to do with awareness, you know, with education, yes. and more importantly, access. I mean, to you know, until recently, uh, uh, people needed to have, or at least a percentage one perception was that people needed to have a lot of money, mm -hmm. a lot of information in order to start investing, and that's not true anymore. I mean, I think we've, we've changed that paradigm, and that's what we uh, that we're trying to do. I mean, and my partner, Matthew, and I, we have different personal stories of why we why we wanted to do this. Uh, in his case, he, he's an investment professional, mm -hmm. and he realized he, he used to manage portfolios for, for big banks in Wall Street, and, and then he realized that a lot of the work that, that he was doing really could, could you know, be automated, and, mm -hmm. and, and you know, for for the, the needs of the, the, the normal person, uh, a lot of these things could be really uh, handled through, a, you know, software, artificial intelligence, et cetera, and it could be more accessible. In my case, you know, I have a personal story that I can tell you later that also led me to, to this, to, to to this, this place. To yes. this mm -hmm. place. Yeah, and I can see exactly what we're talking about, automatic investing, because, uh, Gabriel, um, I started my career 24 years ago, 24, 25 years ago in public accounting, and when I joined the big four, at that time it was Coopers and Libran. I was aware of what a 401k plan was. So for the past 24 years that I was working in corporate America, our Coopers and Libran, PricewaterhouseCoopers, and Nursing Young, I put money, every paycheck, into a 401k plan. And that's been happening for 24 years. So talk about the power of compounding, yes. automatic investing, and that's exactly what we're gonna talk about today. So Dividendo is a platform where users U.S. residents, in this case, transfer funds automatically from their own bank checking or savings accounts, and these funds are invested in the U.S. stock market. I would like to highlight or provide a disclaimer that I am not saying to our listeners, go out there and invest in the stock market. Clearly, this is a personal decision that each individual has to make, and each individual will invest in the U.S. stock market at his or her own risk tolerance level. Let's talk about the difference between savings and investing. In many parts of the world, such as it is in the case of Central and South America, where the Hispanic population resides, Hispanics, and I know that because I was born in Nicaragua, I am Hispanic, through the history of time, for the most part, have learned to save money, but not to invest. Why do we think that is the case, Gabriel? I mean, I, can, I, I know exactly so many different factors there, but can we just explore some of them? Yes, absolutely. I mean, uh, th there's big differences between you know saving and investing. Even though at the end of the day you're putting money aside, but what's mm -hmm. happening to that money? 
but that's the difference, right? And then right. I think, you know, probably the, the best way to illustrate it is a simple example. I mean, if you take $1,000 and you would have taken $1,000 10 years ago and put it in a savings account, you probably would have $1,080 today. So mm-hmm. after 10 years, you would have earned a big sum of $80 over 10 years. You know, the interest rates have been very low. Right. Uh, if you would have invested that money in the same period of time, you probably would have doubled that money. Even mm-hmm. though we went through one of the worst financial uh, crises, you know, 2008, 2009, when markets, you know, collapsed and you right. know, markets were down 45% or whatever. So even with that in the middle, you would have almost doubled your money. So that, you know, goes back to the what you were saying, the power of compound interest and all that. Mm-hmm. I mean, so investment definitely is always going to help you be better off, especially if it's in the long term. Now. There's a lot of factors that come into play here because investing is not just buying, oh, I want to buy Apple stock. I mean, that's not really investing. That's, you know, that's taking mm-hmm. a position and taking a lot of risk of that particular company. As you probably well know, I mean, investing it requires discipline. It requires diversification because there's a lot of risk associated with investment. That's why you get more returns because you're taking mm-hmm. more risk. But at the same time, those risks, if you do it correctly, can be mitigated can be managed, and then can be put to work to your advantage. The word, the word risk not necessarily means something bad. Mm-hmm. It means that, you know, there is possibility for things to vary, but it could vary up or down. So right. it's up to you how you take advantage of how things move on the upside to your favor. And that's that's part of the, you know, the big difference of investment. With savings, obviously, there's going to be less risk. But, you know, what's going to happen is that you incur another risk that you're not aware of. If you put your money in a savings account, you're losing mm-hmm. purchasing power. Right. Because inflation is higher than the returns of a savings account. Mm-hmm. So $100, you know, three years ago is actually in a savings account. is going to be worth less than, you know, what that money is. is, is it's worth less today because, you know, mm-hmm. you're losing purchasing power. Even though if you balance, you can see the $100 number, right. you know, you're going to be able to buy less than mm-hmm. you were. And that $100 didn't grow, right? Because, you know. Right. Uh, um, so, so people need to be aware of this because sometimes people think, oh, I'm safe, whatever. But you are running other 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 risks and the other thing is that you know there's 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 fees and you know keeping yes. the bank accounts with minimums i mean there's a lot of things that people sometimes are not aware of and and that makes things you know a little bit more of more, course more difficult mm-hmm. of course and i also find it gabriel because I, I mean, you were born in venezuela i was born in nicaragua i left i was up to 11 years old when i left in nicaragua but i do have i know i have a very clear understanding of central and south america um there are many reasons also why we're not investing in those countries. It's the political environment, yes. right? the economic environment. I don't know. I mean, like what? 90, 99% of those countries don't have a financial system, market systems like the United States does. Yeah, they don't we, function We don't have the same publicly way. traded stocks, right? So we don't have those opportunities. Basically, what we have access to are banks where people open savings accounts. Uh, so it's a very different uh, environment uh, entirely. And sometimes those banks fail and nobody, <laughs> nobody's there to answer for that. I mean, even the government. I mean, I, so I, right. I, w- I went through that. I Actually, before I worked for Cisneros in Venezuela, just a really? quick anecdote, I used to work for the equivalent of the FDIC in Venezuela. Okay. And I joined right in the middle of one of the, the largest financial crises uh, that happened in the country. This is in 2000, and, uh, I'm sorry, 1993, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, Almost a third of the banking system collapsed. Wow. And uh, yeah, it was a disaster. So people that had deposits in banks that they were supposed to be guaranteed by this organization, at the end, they they couldn't respond. I mean, they couldn't, you know, answer to people. And then a lot of people lost, you know, their lifetime savings and all that. So there is, I mean, obviously in Latin America, 
again, the, the system, the institutions are not as strong. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people are running more risk. And sometimes that's what people even prefer to leave their money, you know, under the mattress or, or something. Got um, it. But yes, I mean, I think you mentioned it. I mean, you, you came here very young. Uh, you were driven, you had an education, and you started to do the right things because the system allowed you to do that. Yes. You started putting money into your f 401k because that you knew that that was the right thing to do. And obviously you were more educated, but sometimes people that don't have the level of information, they just know that that's what you're supposed to do. Because if you want to retire, you have to put money aside. And sometimes, you know, you can ask anyone. I mean, they don't even know what they have in their 401k, but you know, at the end of the day, it's not that it doesn't matter. They should care. They should know more. But even if they don't, they know they're going to be better off investing in those in those retirement plans in the long term than having the money in a savings account. So people, the system takes people sometimes unknowingly to the right place where they mm -hmm. need to be. And and you know people complain, oh my my 401k plan went down with the with the crisis. But guess what? It went back up. Right. Uh, so it's just a matter of, of, you know, of course, if you're planning to retire in the middle of a crisis, then, you know, that's it's a, that's, different it's a timing issue. And of course, that's part of the rest that you run. But but overall, I think, you know, that's that's uh, that's what the system here uh, it works so much better. Right. And mm -hmm. then it leads you to that path. And, and that's that's a big difference with with Latin America. Culturally, we don't have that. So we come here to this country and we have to learn all these things. And, and unfortunately, for most people, they don't get that far. They never become aware of these things. They don't learn, and they don't they don't become part of the system, and Got they don't it. take advantage of what they should be doing. And that thank you, Gabriel, for that because that leads me to the next segment uh, now. Because of the economic conditions of the countries in Central and South America, and also because of the political civil wars in those countries, we have had a huge influx of Hispanics coming to the United States of America. My family and myself included. I arrived to the United States in 1982 when I was 11 years old. I attended middle school and high school and then I joined Florida International University where I obtained my bachelor's in accounting and my master's in tax and I then proceeded to take the certified public accounting national exam and I have been practicing as a certified public accountant for 25 years now. Thus my point is I grew up, like you said, in the United States and I have learned about the US financial system because I have been a resident of this country for so many years and also because of the nature of my academic background and years of experience in public accounting. Plus, I also must tell you, and I'll share with you my personal story one day with you, but my interest in finances began when I was eight years old. So for me, finances is my native language and I love that. But Gabriel, what do we see in the US Hispanic population where perhaps we are not maximizing our funds and we're not creating wealth because of different reasons. What are some of those reasons? Why are we, U.S. Hispanics, not investing for the long term, for example? I think you we touched on, on some of those already a little bit. I mean, uh, it's, it's a cultural mm -hmm. uh, attitude that comes from the systems right. that, that we that we come from, right? The countries, I mean, the, the, it's unstable. Mm -hmm. uh, for a person in Latin America to think about long-term, you talk about long-term and, and people are thinking maybe one, two years, three years max. I mean, we know, we understand the long-term is like 30 years. I mean, you make plans. And in this country, in the U.S., you can do that. In Latin mm -hmm. America, uh, you plan beyond one, two years, and then the government changes, there's inflation, mm -hmm. there's some political crisis, something happens, and no one knows. So that what that leads to is that savers mentality. People keep the money you know, very liquid, very uh, at hand, and they sometimes even spend it because they, for, for them, I mean, the value, the money can lose value 
very quickly. That's you right. know, they, you know, they can get demonetized. I mean, the 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 you know uh, debasement of the currencies occur very frequently and very easily in Latin America. There's there's little regard for for fiscal discipline sometimes and monetary discipline. So what what happens is people save money and then there's a big devaluation and then that money they thought they had for it's gone. It's gone. It's worth nothing. I mean, I've seen that in my in my own family happening. So so a lifetime of savings and whatever can can be you know just you know vanishing into thin air, right? So so that creates this mentality where people are consuming more, they're buying stuff because, you know, the price of the stuff that I buy today is going to increase, you know, significantly maybe a year from now, so I might as well buy it now. Mm. And then that leads to more consumption, less saving, and all these attitudes. Obviously, people, those who understand this, they try to save in, in hard currency, in dollars, and uh -huh. then people try right. to, those who can, which is a, is a minority, unfortunately, they 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 open accounts here in the US or they try to put, you know, or even buying dollars and keeping them in on the mattress because they Why? they understand that that's gonna preserve more value than the local currency. The local when currency. you look at the recent, the last three, four years, mm -hmm. we've seen major devaluations in Brazil, in Mexico, in Colombia, let's not talk about Venezuela. Right. Uh, uh, you know, and every single country has suffered. I mean, some countries have done better than others, like Peru, there's other countries that have been more stable, but overall, everybody lives in, in this, fear that at some point something's going to happen so so i'd rather so that leads to all this this different attitudes and mentality that people cannot think in the long term and plan for for those life goals that they should be doing understand so it's based on their own experiences and yes. experiences of past generations that they have this lack of trust yes and and if you allow me i would like to tell you tell a, a personal story yes that i think it's a, it's a personal anecdote a story that, that i you know i lived I, i'm going to talk you to tell you the story of daniel and rita Daniel okay. uh, is a older person. He's already retired. He's in you know late seventies, and he he came uh, to this country from Venezuela. He was a businessman. He was successful in in a good degree. He always saved. He was very responsible. Managed to put his kids uh, help his kids go through college, mm -hmm. uh, and he saved in Bolivar's, you know, in Venezuela. Uh, you know, because of everything that we just talked here. At when he, at an old age, he came retirement time, he had very little to show for, especially when you live in the U.S. and those, you know, believers converting to dollars, you know, there's really right. nothing to show for. So now Daniel, uh, he's very fortunate that his children, you know, have done well and they help him, you know, support his expenses and, and whatnot. So he depends in a way on his children for his retirement which yeah. is a situation that a lot of, you know, Hispanics have. We call it the sandwich generation, and we can talk about that later. But but that's the Neil situation. In the case of Rita, she, uh, she's from the Midwest. She always worked for, you know, since she was, you know, early, early you know, 20s in a, in a, in a factory. Uh, you know, she was a hard worker. She did, just like you mentioned, you know, she had her retirement plans, the 401k, mm -hmm. and she's very disciplined. She went with the system, even not knowing exactly or having all the sophistication of understanding, she knew she had to put money. So Rita is now in the mid-60s, she's happily retired, and then she does all the things she likes to do, and she doesn't have any worries about life because she can sustain her lifestyle. Uh, Rita is my mother-in-law, and Daniel is my father. So you can see the big contrast in yes. how this system, you know, here in the U.S., Rita followed the system, and then she that led her to a financial freedom at yes. an older age. Daniel, unfortunately, even if he wanted to, there were no mm -hmm. investment products. There was no access. He right. didn't know about it. I mean, I talked to my dad about this all the time. I said, listen, you know, if I knew, if I mean, even if I knew, there was nothing I could do because, you know, there was no way I could invest or whatever, and I you know, he wasn't sophisticated in these things. Like, so mm -hmm. the system didn't help him in that way. 
Right. And I think that's what we have to, you know, focus on the dividendo. That's what we're trying to do, to enable people like Daniel to actually have the opportunity to do the right things and, and then, you know, take control of, of his own, you know, financial destiny and empower people to do that. I mean, lowering I the access it. and, you know, giving information and creating awareness about all these things. I love it. Thank you for sharing that, Gabriel, with us, the story of your of your dad and your mother-in-law. Uh, Gabriel, do you think that U.S. Hispanics tend to visit or seek the advice or recommendations of financial planners or advisors? What, what what's your what's your thought about that? Why yes or why not? Uh, Hispanics in general, I mean, the, I read a lot of reports and and they all seem to point that fact that you know Hispanics are more distrusting when it comes mm -hmm. to financial advice and the first source of uh, uh, financial uh, advice comes from family members. So mm -hmm. you find, you know, the uncle or the cousin that is supposed to <laughs> be the, and that's the person who's going to give you, uh, uh, you know, financial investment advice, which is most of cases are not a qualified person. Right. So obviously that leads to, you know, experiences that might not necessarily be successful and That's that creates right. all this sentiment of, you know, mistrust or whatever. Oh, you know, the, the uncle might tell you, oh, buy, I don't know, whatever stock and then you buy it and then it goes down. And so, I, I mean, I, I think, you know, only a small percentage of Hispanics seek professional advice. Mm -hmm. And when you compare that to the to the general population, it's like it's like half. And, and the reason for that is like, so it's a very small percentage seek for professional advice. And of those, when you look at that percentage, it's half of what the general population normally does. Got it. And the, and the reason, I mean, the general population, I think, you know, have more has more access because they follow the system. When mm. you are aware and you're in your company and you want to engage in your, in mm -hmm. your company sponsor retirement plan or whatever, you end up talking to a professional at some point. Right. Hispanics, you know, because of the nature of our jobs or because of the reluctancy that we have or the lack of information, we yes. don't do that. So we don't end up, you know, with the same level of engagement and exposure that we should have. I mean, so, but um, overall, I mean, Hispanics are, are you know, under index in, 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 in when it comes to ownership of investment accounts, when it comes to retirement plans. All when you look at all those metrics, Hispanics are way, way below the average. Got it, I understand. And that's exactly what your mission is and what my yes. mission is. So we're going to change that. Correct. I mean, we've, you know, we've, we've <laughs> talked about this before. We're on a crusade to, to, to help solve that problem. Yes, uh, totally. We believe in that. Gabriel, tell me a little bit more about how Dividendo works. How much do I need in terms of dollars to open an account at Dividendo? Where will my funds be invested once I deposit them to my Dividendo account? Uh, well, the Dividendo, as, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, is an automated investment platform. Mm -hmm. uh, we basically simplify the, the process of managing you know, investment portfolios so mm -hmm. people don't, don't have to worry about anything. Uh, to open an account with Dividendo, you have to follow three very simple steps. Uh, you have to provide some personal information. This all, by the way, is required by law. We are a uh, SEC-regulated entity. Okay. Uh, we're a registered investment advisor, so we are required to, to solicit this information. And obviously, you know, we need this information to provide the right advice. So uh, step number one, we ask for personal information, you know, typical things, you know, name, address, et cetera. Uh, no, step number two, we uh, we determine an invest investment profile. Okay. We ask five simple questions, mm -hmm. and then you know those questions. That's you know uh, income, and these are ranges. You don't have to give specific numbers, but you have to give a range of your income, the net worth, uh, you um, your age, uh, the investment horizon that you're looking to you know okay. uh, you know put put your money. And then also the, the risk tolerance profile. You're a conservative, you're an aggressive person. So with those five parameters, our algorithm mm -hmm. determines then what is the best portfolio 
uh, to suit your needs. Uh, so we recommend the portfolio. That is Got our it. fiduciary responsibility. So as a, as, a, as a registered investment advisor, we have to recommend something. Mm -hmm. So let's say you answer that. Uh, we say, well, you're going to have a conservative portfolio. So it's going to be, I don't know, or a moderate portfolio, 60-40, 60% shares, 40%, you know, uh, bonds. Uh, and then that's going to be your starting portfolio. Then you can go back and change Adjusted. it at any time. I mean, if you think, oh, I want to take more risk or whatever, you can do that very easily. So this whole process takes five minutes if you have the information. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, I'm sorry, and I forgot that, that, so the third step, so the first one is personal information, the second one is the investment profile, and the third step is that you have to link a bank account. Right. Of course, because the money has to, We ha you are, what you're doing, in fact, is you're opening a brokerage account with Dividendo, right. and then the money has to obviously come from somewhere. That's going to come from your bank account. We link it, and then, you know, there's no there's no cost, there's no expenses, as, you know, by the way, we use all bank level encryption uh, mm -hmm. systems so it's very secure Protected, uh, right. but uh, with that then you know in five minutes you can open your account and start investing very easily uh, the beauty of all this is that there's no minimums so mm -hmm. you don't have to have a lot of money to open an investment account you can start with five dollars okay and uh, with that amount we can create a very well diversified portfolio just like the professionals would do it uh, but you're starting small and then you can add money as you feel comfortable or you are capable of doing awesome mm -hmm. love it we are going to go now in a commercial break and we will return with our interview of Gabriel Montoya, Chief Executive Officer and Co-Founder of Dividendo. TFG Worldwide is your business financial solution center. They help your business with financial strategy, tax planning, controllership, and employee benefit services. The best part is that all of these solutions are specifically tailored to help grow your business and increase your profits. All of these under the umbrella of TFG are provided by accredited professionals that have gained experience working for the big four global accounting firms, ready to give your business 100%. Call them today at 800 793-9721. Give them a call, 800-793-9721. Remember, if it's not TFG, it's not meant to be. Call them now, 800-793-9721. We are back on Abundance Now with Maria M. Lopez. Our topic of discussion for today is on the power of automatic investing. With me today is Gabriel Montoya, Chief Executive Officer and Co-Founder of Dividendo. Gabriel, what are the different ways or is there one way or tell me a little bit more about how can I put money into my Dividendo account? Exactly which are the different ways, multiple ways? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I mentioned before that uh, when you open the account, you linked a, a bank account uh, and then mm -hmm. you transfer funds from there, from there. And then what you can do is that you can, you can choose to do a recurrent. So you can set it up so every week or every month, a uh, fixed amount gets transferred and gets invested. So you can then set it in automatic and forget about it. And you know every month you're going to be putting $20 into your investment account. So that's one way. The other way is that you can link a payment account, let's say a credit or a debit card. So every time you make a purchase, we round up, we look at the purchase and we round up to the next dollar. And mm. then those extra cents get invested into your account. And let me give you a quick, very quick example. Let's say you buy a coffee for $4.50. So the 50 cents to reach five, the next dollar, those 50 cents are going to be invested in your account. So Without you knowing, really, you every time you spend, you grab those little cents and they they, they get put into your I love it. investment account. I love it. Mm -hmm. My mother has kept at home like little boxes of dimes, pennies, mm -hmm. quarters. So it's the same approach, same concept, Imagine, except that exactly. this is the use of technology. 
exactly. with that you're not thinking about it and it's being invested exactly. for you and growing compounding growth putting to work yeah oh love it imagine you reach out to your pocket or in the bottom of the couch you found you know a few cents <laughs> there imagine they were magically transferred to your investment account that's what we're doing for you i'm going home today and telling my mother to open a dividend exactly. account please do <laughs> now tell me gabriel in terms of security or safety of our dollars at dividendo we know that our funds are secure at a u.s commercial bank to some extent what is the security or safety that Dividendo or any other brokerage company in the United States offers to those of us who deposit or put our funds with them? Yeah, typically, um, that's a good point because obviously that's one of the biggest concerns people have, mm -hmm. like what's gonna happen with my money. Uh, we as a racer uh, investment advisor and, and part of the process that we work with broker dealers and custodians, they have the coverage of a federal agency called the SIPC, okay. uh, Security Investment Protection Corporation, and they insure uh, companies up to $500,000 individual accounts. Mm -hmm. uh, so your account will be protected by an insurance policy, you know, that's backed by the US mm -hmm. federal government. Uh, just m very much like the FDIC does for the right. bank accounts, you know, actually the, the, the amount of coverage is, is higher in this case. And, and Gabriel, just to understand that that only applies, for example, if that entity that legal entity for example goes bankrupt but correct. not necessarily if the stock market goes down correct, correct. okay okay correct. gotcha now gabriel many of my colleagues and friends are already in their 40s and they are raising their children and also taking care of their parents u.s hispanics are four times more likely to be supporting both parents and children tell me about what is called and i think you have referred this to this as the sandwich generation what is it, what is happening in America in the U.S. Hispanic population? And then how does Dividendo help or provide assistance in alleviating this problem or going concern? Yes, uh, that's, that's a very good point. And, and actually, sandwich generation is a term that you know, we borrow from, from the Pew's uh, Research Center. They've been researching okay. this, and there's a lot of information. I didn't know about this. Uh -huh. Actually, I thought at some point that I had, you know, like, that I had invented the term, but then I realized <laughs> it was mine that I heard it somewhere. Gotcha. But, uh, but, but, you know, it's very helpful to describe a, a situation that affects a lot of people in this country and actually a lot of people in Latin America. That goes back to that anecdote that I, yes. that I told you before. A sandwich person, a sandwich generation person, is a person, let's say, between 30 and 50 uh, that uh, has some sort of financial responsibility or obligation to support an aging parent. And at the same time, that person is still raising, you know, children. So you are, sand that person is sandwiched in the middle, mm. in the middle between the parents and the kids. Uh, two out of three Hispanics in that age group uh, are in this category. And Hispanics are like, as you said, like four times more likely to be in this situation than people in the general population. And in Latin America, even though there's not a lot of statistics like, like we have here, we know that the situation is probably even 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 more yes. you know, more pervasive. Yes. So so why is this person sandwiched? Well, you know, because of the story of, that I that I told before. The, the parent that now requires some sort of support didn't have the access, the awareness, the opportunity to really start planning for their, their future, financial future for retirement, so that mm -hmm. person becomes dependent. And actually, uh, we, we wrote an article in our blog that talks about that the, the retirement plan of, of, of Hispanics is our, our children. You know, we, mm. we, we hope that, our, you know, we have good kids, that they, they you know, they come out good so, so we can depend on them for our, for our retirement. And, and, you know, that's the beauty of the, 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 the Latinos, the Hispanics, is that, we you know, we have very close 
very uh, close family ties. And then yes. that has allowed this to work well because, you mm -hmm. know, at the end of the day, everybody has the abuela, the tia, the somebody in the family that they mm -hmm. help support. Uh, even living in the same household is, is, a, is a way of financial mm -hmm. support because you're providing, uh, you know, shelter. Yes. Why not? But the truth is that people are living longer. You know, That's in true. the last 20 years, uh, life expectancy has increased 15 years. Wow. So, and that's going to, with the medical advances and everything that we're seeing, you know, in the, in the, in the technology, science, in the mm -hmm. space, I mean, people are going to live longer. So, what's going to happen is that, you know, that burden, you know, gets. Yes, you know, it's a longer burden. It's a yes. long, longer burden. So, so people need to start some, doing something about it because otherwise, what happens with a sandwich person is if this person doesn't do something about its own financial future mm -hmm. well-being, it will end up becoming dependent on their children. That's what has happened before. And then this is a cycle of uh, inter intergenerational dependency right. that has existed and it will continue to accelerate and get worse if we don't do something about it. So that's why our mission is, you know, we want to create awareness of the situation mm -hmm. so people understand that this is a problem, this is a situation they have, that there's something they can do about it. They can, right. you know, we want to educate them and inform them. And then we want to give them the access. Once the, the, the people say, I okay, well, I'm in, I'm in the sandwich, I know what to do, and then I know I can start working on a solution, which is, you know, I can start investing very little, I can mm -hmm. have a plan in place, right. and then I can start, you know, taking control of my financial future. I love that because I think that, Gabriel, both you and I admire the quality of the culture in the Hispanic population where we take care of our grandparents. I grew up in a household where my grandmother was present. And for me, having a home with grandparents is like, I, I cannot imagine having a home with a, with a, a holiday with a grandparents. For me, that's like, it's so much, there's so much love because of my, my, the presence of my grandparents. So while we admire that quality and want to preserve it, we also at the same time want to add this additional value of financial education. And hey, by the way, if you do this yeah. and we, we're living longer, you, the sandwich generation will be uh, le less burdened and things yes. of that nature. Imagine how much more fun you would have had if yes. your grandmother was wealthy and had a big, you know, retirement, you know, account. <laughs> Love it. It would be nicer, right? And then the other side of the sandwich is, is the kids, right? You're, you know, the, the sandwich person is still caring for their, their young children. We Hispanics, you know, we tend to overcare for kids. I mean, yes. culturally, uh, we always joke that, you know, the, the Hispanics kids, they don't leave their parents' house until they get married. Mm -hmm. uh, unlike, you know, probably general population people. And again, same story with me and my wife. My wife, you know, 18, she was out and she wants to go to college, you know, could get a, get a loan, get a job. Mm -hmm. In my case, my parents helped me. So it's very different. That's another big cultural, cultural contrast, right? And, and Hispanics over-index in their desire uh, to help their kids to to reach those goals, yes. I think because they understand they need to invest in them for, <laughs> <laughs> for their retirement. But uh, but 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 in, in truth, uh, what happens is that very few end up actually going to college. The numbers are like eighty six percent of Hispanics want understand the importance of kids going to college versus like fifty percent mm -hmm. of the general population. But only fourteen percent of Hispanic kids end up going to college versus like forty percent of the general population. So. So you have a big disconnect, and the reason why that happens is because of lack of planning. I gotcha. Mean, one thing is this wanting to do something, and the mm -hmm. other one thing is being able to do it because you don't have the resources. Right. So, but if you start investing and setting up, you know, money for a college fund mm -hmm. when the kid is young and you invest it, mm -hmm. by by the time mm -hmm. that kid is eighteen, you will have a little pile of money there that's going to help, you know, enable enable you to achieve that goal. And that's, again, it's, it's, it, we go back to the same thing. It's awareness, it's, it's, it's education, education, and it's the access. And it's the access. And, and again, we can help with that, and that's what you know, we're trying to help the sandwich person to, to on both sides of the, 
building. Uh, the, yeah, on the on the beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I like to say that, uh, for example, I know your mission, Gabriel, and my mission is very similar, and we do want to also address that percentage of people that you just described, the students, the kids that are not, the U.S. Hispanic kids that are not going to college. We want to transform the, 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 the situation so that in the future, uh, we want to start putting the seeds today in place in 2017 and work together and we're looking to collaborate with other people, other financial advisors, other entities, so that together we can collaborate and make a change, a shift in America in the U.S. Hispanic population. We're going to go now on a short commercial break, and then we will return to continue with our interview of Gabriel Montoya, co-founder of Dividendo. TFG Worldwide is your business financial solution center. They help your business with financial strategy, tax planning, controllership, and employee benefit services. The best part is that all of these solutions are specifically tailored to help grow your business and increase your profits. All of these under the umbrella of TFG are provided by accredited professionals that have gained experience working for the big four global accounting firms, ready to give your business 100%. Call them today at 800-793-9721. Give them a call, 800-793-9721. Remember, if it's not TFG, it's not meant to be. Call them now, 800-793-9721. We are back on Abundance Now with Maria M. Lopez, and today I'm interviewing Gabriel Montoya, Chief Executive Officer of Dividendo, a Miami-based technology and investing company providing automatic investing solutions to the U.S. Hispanic population. Gabriel, you know my specialty, in addition to personal financial planning, is in the area of U.S. income taxes. Thus, my question is, will Dividendo issue that require IRS forms to the Dividendo account users to show their earnings? For example, dividends, there will be expected to be paid some dividends, right? and also any capital gains or losses from their transactions in their dividendo accounts. Yes, absolutely. I mean, everything that we do through the platform is automated from mm -hmm. the management of the portfolio and, and, and also handling all the paperwork. Right. So when you have your dividendo account, you will get every time there's a trade, you get a trade confirmation that is, mm -hmm. is, is loaded in your, in your platform. You can look at it from your phone. You get all the statements every month. Beautiful. Uh, and you get all, every year, you're going to get your tax documents. You're going to get your 1040, your 1099. Mm -hmm. And all you have to do is take that document to your accountant or put it in your whatever tax return. You know, tax return and then that that's it. So it's very simple. We do all those, those mm -hmm. we handle all the paperwork and all the calculations on, on your behalf. You said monthly statements. So there will be, is that something that I can access through the app and also online? Yes, or? you get an email every month and also it's available in the app for, for download. I mean, there's a section there where you can look at documents and then you have Wonderful. three sections. You have tax documents. Documents, you have a, a confirmation uh, mm -hmm. because every time you buy or sell stock, you get yes, a trade confirmation, get confirmation. And then you get the monthly statements. So awesome. you, you can have like a paper confirmation where your money you is. You can keep your own records if exactly. you don't want to keep you, it online. Exactly. What is the next phase of Dividendo? Can you share with us a little bit of what is next for this platform and what other services will it offer to the U.S. Hispanic community? Yes, I mean, there, there is really a lot of opportunity. I think this space is, is, is growing very fast. The fintech space, uh, there's a right. lot of innovation. In our case, obviously, we started with what we call a basic product. I mean, you have an investment account, a diversified portfolio. You choose, you know, the level of risk, and then, you know, that portfolio has, has a mix of assets, of, you know, according to that. Uh, the next product we're going to launch is a, what we call the minor accounts. So the mm. idea is that if you have an investment account with Dividendo, you can create a sub-account, mm -hmm. uh, but it's a separate account, 
uh, you can put it, let's say, nicknaming after one of your kids. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you can start putting money uh, separately in that account. So, for instance, a lot of kids, they get money for the birthdays or for Christmas or whatever. or the So, so that money can be invested mm -hmm. in their account. Usually, you know, people have that money in a separate savings account or they have right. it on the side. I mean, in this case, you can start investing that money. And because of they're young and the compounding effect mm -hmm. of growth, I mean, by the time they're 16 or whatever age, that money, you know, could grow a lot and be be a significant chunk of money to buy a car or whatever it is that the kids. So, so I think the minor account is going to be important. A lot of people has asked for that because they Beautiful. see that this is a, a good solution for that. Um, the other thing that we want to do is that we want to create the opportunity for people to contribute to each other's account. You know, oh. you, as you mentioned, Hispanics were very social. We have mm -hmm. very close family ties. You know, so we want to help each other. So the idea would be that if you have a dividendo account. I can contribute to your account or I can contribute to my, let's say you, started, a a, you started an account as a college fund or, as a, or something like that, saving for, so then people can, you know, send mm -hmm. money there and then that, that account can grow by the contribution. So it's a similar concept to a minor account, but, you know, allowing other people to, to put money into their account. And then a big step we're going to take is that we're hopefully in a, in a couple of months we'll be able to um, allow people that are not non-U.S. residents okay. to also have investment accounts. Uh, that, so, so basically, that would allow us to go into Latin America right. and start offering our investment platform to those people that are that are there. And so, you plan to start promoting dividendos somehow in Central America market yes. and the South American market. Yes, correct. Beautiful. So we expect by by August September of uh, next year. 20, no, this, no, this oh, this year, year mm -hmm. 2017. Yeah, Beautiful. Which we, we should have available mm -hmm. uh, the the product there. I mean, not not. I'm not providing any tax advice here, but obviously we know that there, that, that may have some tax consequences for non-U.S. persons. But uh, just to highlight that, yes, I love taxes. <laughs> <laughs> now, tell me a little bit. What is the number of U.S. Hispanics living in this country? I mean, not the exact number, but has that number decreased or increased since the last ten years? Is dividendos niche market the U.S. Hispanic millennial, the U.S. Hispanic generation Y or X, or the baby boomers? Well, let, let me answer the last part first. Um, as, as we discussed before, our main focus is really on the sandwich person, which right. is a person that, you know, is between 30 and 50. Uh, so that's X and Y. You know, exactly. Think, so, right. but, but the truth is that, you know, this platform can benefit anyone. I mean, sure. now we as a company, we have to choose a focus of market and we, because we saw the problem, we're using our technology to help those people. But again, I mean, this is something that a millennial, if they decide they want to start investing or somebody older, I mean, anyone can really right. be, be our audience. But, you know, we our messages are crafted to, to this audience because, you know, we're not only making them aware of this, we're also educating them. So that's important. True. Um, so Hispanics is a very, very uh, important uh, group of the, the U.S. population. Currently, it's, it's around five, 55 million people. Mm. Uh, and then, you know, when you think that, you know, in the year 2000, we were only 35 people. You can see the, the the pace of growth that the Hispanic you know community has had in the in this country. I will continue to because right. you know, Hispanics are having more kids per household. So mm -hmm. the, the the percentage, the expectations is by by 2030, one out of four uh, people in America will be right. of Hispanic origin. Mm -hmm. um, so, so yes, that's what we think is important that we address this problem because it's going to be a big social problem if we don't do it. Beautiful. Gabriel, we probably only have one minute, one and a half minute left. Can you share with us any other comments to put some light on this whole topic of automatic investing and br very briefly why it is so important for the U.S. Hispanic population? Again, I think, you know, it's, it's what we've been talking about. I think it's all about the access 
is mm -hmm. about making people aware of, of they need to start taking measures and doing the right things and planning for the future. It's about educating them, giving, providing information, and empowering them with the access. I think Beautiful. if we can achieve that, I mean, you and I and others are in this mm -hmm. crusade of, of, of you know, in, mm -hmm. informing people and that we're, we think that we're contributing, we're helping by, by, by providing the access through a platform Beautiful. like Dividendo. That's I want to thank you, Gabriel, for your time today and visiting us here at the radio station to discuss such an interesting topic. I invite our listeners to email any comments or questions to Gabriel or myself at maria.lopez.cpa.com. I invite you to listen to the replay of my interview with Gabriel Montoya on this Saturday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I wish you all a wonderful evening and a wonderful weekend. Thank you all.